your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. Hey everybody, welcome to Asian Pop Nation, aka Sin's resident Asian music and culture show. My name is Lisha, the executive producer of APN, and let's talk through the first two songs that you heard just now on our show. We firstly played the latest comeback track to come out of Wu-A, which is a Korean female group that has just recently, once again, come back with their song titled Roller Coaster. And then secondly, we then play another new song to come from another Korean female group. This time it's CSR with their song titled Love Tikon. Now this week we have a very jam-packed show. I say this every single week, but... This one is different, guys, I swear, because firstly, we are going to start off the show with an incredible interview with this Sydney Rising artist. You guys may have heard her before because I kind of sneakily hyped her up a bit in our show about two weeks ago. But this time, we are now getting the opportunity to be able to interview the one and only Birdie later in the show. So definitely stay tuned. But of course, we have not only just myself tonight, but our APN team of Alishba, Xenia, JP, Tracy, Ethan, and Lee, who are all going to come in together to talk about various topics, such as going a bit more in-depth about Asian names in general, since that was this new short film that was trending around the internet. We are also going to be talking about some quote-unquote unserious songs and you may be wondering what does that entail. You're just going to have to listen to get what that means. But we are also going to be talking about midday napping while at your workplace while also going a bit more in-depth into us, our team members itself, as we're going to be thinking about Who would we be if we weren't here in Melbourne, if all of us just grew up back in our home countries, back in Asia, back in another state of Australia, all that stuff. We're getting very existential here on APN. So once again, I hope you guys are super excited to join us on this episode. And before we fully kick off the show, we of course have so much more new songs that we want to play for you. Quite a lot of Korean female group songs that we are going to be breezing through, starting with the song titled Impurities, which is a B-side to come out of the Korean female group La Seraphim. So jam out together here with myself. I freaking love La Seraphim at the moment, right here on Asian Pop Nation. Hello, hello, everybody. You are tuning in to Asian Pop Nation, where... I'm sure the name spoils it for itself, but we have been playing a whole bunch of new Asian music just now on our show. Starting first with the song titled Impurities, which comes from the Korean female group La Seraphim. I am just obsessed with them at the moment. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Blood Moon, which is a B-side to come out of Ua who is one of the members of Oh My Girl, who recently returned back to the industry with her second mini-album titled Selfish. And lastly, we played a super catchy song to come out of Alexa with her new song titled Back in Vogue, which is just this super... Again, catchy is the number one word I'll definitely use because that song has been stuck in my hand since I heard it the very first time. But if you are very interested in Alexa's sound, you can definitely check out her new EP, which just came out called Girl Gone Vogue. Now, speaking about checking out certain artists right now here on our show, I am super, super honored to uh, introduce this artist to our audience here on APN. You may have heard one of her tracks titled Poolside, 
about two weeks ago on our show and this time we have the absolute pleasure to be able to interview this very exciting artist she comes all the way from sydney and we have the one and only birdie right here on asian pop nation and honestly i don't want to stall too much this interview is just so exciting for me so definitely stay tuned right now and put your hands together for the one and only birdie Alishka and Lisa here from Asian Pop Nation and right here right now in our virtual studio we are joined by a very special guest you might heard us play her latest single called Poolside and now we are actually here with this incredible talented rising artist coming all the way from Sydney we are here with Bernie. Oh, thank you, Alishma. <laughs> hi, everyone. Oh my gosh, hi, how are you going today? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm vibing, I'm existing, but now I, I feel like my mood has definitely just got like from like a four to like a 10 out of 10. Oh, that's so good. you are here. It's so lovely to have you here and welcome to Asian Pop Nation. And for our <laughs> listener tuning in right now, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? So my name is Birdie and it's also my artist name that I like to go by. I'm based in Sydney, Australia, and I'm an artist who performs and sings and dances. Yeah. And of course, we're here on the show to particularly talk about your single, latest one, Poolside. But before we get into the nitty gritty about that incredible single, by the way, I actually wanted to first hear the story behind your name, Birdie which again, you mentioned it's like your real name, but it's also your artist's name. Something very interesting in particular when you search it up online because you actually get to see a mix of both your English and Chinese given name. And I just wanted to know what does that name mean to you personally? So because I am part Greek and Russian on my dad's side and Malaysian Chinese on my mum's side, with my artist name, I usually have my Chinese name attached to it because I like to take a lot of pride in my culture, particularly on my on my mum's side. And I'm not Malaysian Chinese as well, Flo. <laughs> not to do my own horn, but I'm like another Malaysian Chinese. Join yeah! the car, let's go! I unfortunately do not have a Chinese name. So I wanted to know how it like initially felt to uh, essentially put like your culture out there for the whole music industry to see through just like your name alone. That's a really good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked that before. I personally really love that I've done that. I mm -hmm. mean, when I was younger, I was very much, it's quite sad but I was very much embarrassed about my culture mm. I was growing up in a town like a little rural town and so out there like being one of the very few kids that were a mixed cultured kid it was just like mm. oh my god what she's part Chinese like that's unheard of that's so weird you know it's different so it's weird and so I used to suppress my culture and, and not share it as much with people and I was embarrassed, which was when I look back, like I felt really, really bad for, you know, the younger me. It makes me feel really sad. But now that I've gotten older and I've learned that, no, I should embrace from where I've come from and what I've been through and who I am as a person. It just makes me feel very, very proud and very confident with who I am and not only as, a, as an artist, but as a person as well. That's just so, <laughs> that's so sweet. I'm I don't know. get emotional <laughs> here. Oh my God. That was just really sweet. Especially, I don't know, like 
Alishba. I don't know if you feel the same too. It's just like when you have very like ethnic names in general, unfortunately, that is like such a similar scenario that a lot of us have been through growing up. But to see like your story and you essentially reclaiming back. Yeah. Like... I mean, it was already <laughs> bad enough that my name was Birdie. So you can <laughs> imagine like young kids being like, oh my God, Birdie, tweet, tweet. Like, oh, oh my, my God. God. And I'd be like, <laughs> Okay, so it was already bad enough then, let alone like also getting bullied for like my culture and where I came from. But now I'm just like, you know what? Stuff you guys, like, I'm gonna do me. <laughs> no, literally. And also, like, oh my gosh, high school kids are just like sometimes public enemy <laughs> number one. I think back on my days in like school and yeah. I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, can relate. Can relate. Yeah. It was actually really interesting. Like the other day I was doing a show in Melbourne and I was supporting an artist called Cap Carter. And he is also, he's Australian Filipino. And I remember so clearly, like after the show, he said to me, it's so great that there are artists like us that are very proud of where we've come from in terms of our culture, our Asian side. And we really need to like share that with everyone that really stuck with me. And so I I feel like as much as music is a purpose for me in my life, and that's something I want to share and do for the rest of my life. I feel like along that I can definitely spread awareness and like share my culture as well within that. That is so great. Like like (laughs) you said that you think that music is your purpose. Since childhood, did you know that you wanted to do music? Since childhood, I always knew that I wanted to be on stage. I loved being on stages. I was such an extroverted kid. I was so just out there. was like just so fearless, right? I always did dancing when I was younger. So I started dancing and playing piano at the age of three. So I always thought that I was going to be a professional ballet dancer. And so growing up, I kind of realized, oh, I, I don't particularly have the perfect physique to be a ballet dancer. And so I then kind of found an avenue of performing through singing. And I realized at the age of 12 that I wanted to take it seriously. That's really nice that you like started doing it from three. Like that's really impressive. I'm very, very blessed. I have amazing, amazing parents that have like just given me so many opportunities, you know, at a very young age. So I've kind of had that one step in the door of, of understanding and knowing what I wanted to do in life. No, that's like really heartwarming as well. Cause I think sometimes with artists and stuff, especially ones that come up from like a Asian background, from other people's perspectives they always have like that typical stereotype of like Mm -hmm. oh like Asian parents they never approve anything you do in like the arts and stuff like that yeah it's really true and it's interesting about that because I do have friends that are you know Asian and they do have parents that are like that but they still allow them to do Hmm. what they want as like a hobby but I was a horrible horrible kid in school academics like I couldn't do it like I was horrible but when it came to like the artistic and like singing and dancing like I just wanted to put my all in and I guess my mom was like well if you really like it and you know I can see that you're progressing in that then go for what you want to do so I was really really grateful to have parents that were very supportive about that I don't know hearing somebody like talk about parents being super supportive about your career ventures wherever you go Hopefully, I don't know, if listeners are like tuning in. This can be like the thing that gets the gears turning, being like, hey, what yes. I want to do more stuff yes. in the artistic if field. If there's any any kids out there where their parents are forcing them to do dancing or singing or even like sports, 
listen to them, like do it. Because trust me, when you get older, you will thank your parents, like stick with it. The amount of times I've met so many people, they're like, oh, my mom put me into like piano lessons when I was young, but then I didn't want to do it. So they stopped it. And now I regret it. Like I've heard it so many times, like just keep doing it. You might use it in the future. I um, agree. I didn't do anything and I kind of regret now. No, there you go. <laughs> me too. Alish for me, I'm living proof. I guess in terms of like your career stuff, I was actually very curious because I read that you actually currently like divide your time between both being a musician and also being an aged care worker as well, which that is amazing. <laughs> But I just wanted to know kind of like where was like the interest into being a part of like the aged care industry came from? And also, I guess, how do you find at the moment, I guess, like managing between Birdie, the musician And also yeah. Birdie, who is in the aged care industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I moved to the city to study music, I took up a job in retail and I'd been doing that for three years. And after a while, I think it was the second lockdown we had here, I felt like I needed a bit of change because I felt like my life was just on a cycle. With that, I also felt like I wasn't doing anything impactful or helpful with my retail job. So I felt like, what's a job that helps others? And I feel like I'm doing something better and good for the world and for others. And I get to go home feeling, you know, good about myself. The job just kind of fell into my lap. So I was really grateful. Like it just came at the right time. And I started that, I think it was last year in November, December. And it was definitely a big shift. I mean, I really enjoy the job because I not only get to help people that need it and also learn a lot of knowledge. Like I'm very fortunate enough. I get to look after, you know, the elderly and also people that are disabled. So to be able to hear about their stories and get to know them It's amazing. And the fact that it's very flexible hours, it allows me to have time to focus on my music. So that was definitely one of the factors why I wanted to do it as well. I um, get to do music throughout the day while I'm working. I just kind of manage weekly because it just can be very, very hectic. <laughs> like Monday in the morning, I'll have a client I have to look after and take them to the shops. And then in the afternoon, I'll be in the studio. So It's definitely not a nine to five usual kind of schedule that I have. I'm curious, like, do you show your music to them? Like, do they give oh. you like quotes and stuff? Yeah, I actually do. Like a lot of them, they ask, oh, what do you do? Like, what are your hobbies? I usually tend to tell them like, oh, I, I like to sing and dance. And if they ask about my weekend, I'll be like, oh, I did a show at this venue last weekend. And they'll go, a show? Like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a singer. And so they're like, oh, do you put music out? And so I show them and just some of them are so supportive. I'll come in and I'll be like, how was your show? Or like, how was your trip to Melbourne? Did you make it there safe? And I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like you're like my nan. Like. <laughs> I love how like interested they are about like my life and what happens, you know. So it's good. And it's so cute. Yeah, it's really, really sweet. Now moving on to your track, Poolside, I really love it. And even though Melbourne weather is not technically Poolside, I would say that I will go to Poolside even in winter. But can you tell us a bit <laughs> about how you got the inspiration for the music? So the inspiration for Poolside, I got it when I went to LA for the first time. I think it was two months ago now. I was doing some songwriting and that over there. 
just going out and like seeing the nightlife of LA with like so many shows and musicians and oh, it's like a movie. It just really inspired me. So that's why I wanted to write Poolside, which is essentially about just living in the present, summer vibes, relaxing, luxurious, going to clubs, that sort of vibe. I mean, in the music video, there was like this part where you're speaking French and like yes. you're delivering a message. I really like that part. So I just wanted to like ask a bit, like, how did you get the idea? And like, just a bit more about it. Yeah. Well, when I was working with the producer, Alex Markwell, he and I, we had this idea that we wanted to put little samples in the song and particularly reference things, but in French because French is just a really cool language. <laughs> so we wanted to reference something in the middle of the song and it's actually saying Off to the Races, which is a reference to Lana Del Rey, one of her songs, which I absolutely love. I love her. So I just thought it was really fitting for that to kind of be like off to the races, like going out, you know, living life, being present. And so we then tied that in with the dialogue at the end of the song. It practically says you have the choice to to work a job that you only want the money for, but to not actually love the job. Do you choose to just, you know, live in the same box? Everyone's like, oh, we just have to do this to get by in life. And then on the weekends, then we can go out and like, you know, have the time of our life only to come back to the next week of dreading about work. It's like, for me, I choose to live, even though it may be insane the way that my lifestyle is of not really having that nine to five stable job and, you know, being an artist, not exactly having that guaranteed successful life. That's what I would rather do because that makes me happy. It makes me feel like I'm actually living my life. I really love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. Well, speaking about like the music video and again, like the whole message of like, again, partying it up, playing friends, just living life to the fullest. I was really curious because again, when I saw the music video, again, you're just like having the time of your life by just like poolside with your friends <laughs> and stuff like that. And I was really curious if you had like any, if there's any special memories when you were filming the music video. I have so many. I just literally got all my friends was like, hey, do you want to be a part of my music video? And they're like, yes. And I was like, all right, bring your swimmers. We're going to this like kind of club place and we're just going to have fun and have drinks and just like party and just hang out. One of my favorite memories would probably be when we were all in the pool at the end of the scene of the music video. We were all just so happy. We were all just having so much fun. The best part was like we had this inflatable flamingo in the pool and everyone was just hopping on it. So that was just Oh, it was just a lot of fun. I know we're mainly talking about poolside, but it was a sneaky, <laughs> sneaky segue into sneaky, your debut yeah. EP, Can't Be Love. I freaking love that EP, by the way, that came out in September. Dorsal Finn. I, Aww, it's, it's on repeat. You. It's on repeat. And yeah, I just, we want to expose that EP. I was just wondering if you can, like for our listeners, you can use like five words to like describe your EP, Can't Be Loved. Yeah, like Alushba said, giving five words, because you have five songs in the album, just giving five words to describe your EP for our listeners. Vulnerable, uh, personal, expressive, intimate, emotional. I think 
the first two songs that I released that were singles, but they were part of the EP. Yeah. They were very much boppy kind of groovy songs, especially the first one I put out. But if we're talking about the overall EP, the other songs are part of it. There's a lot more emotion and vulnerability in them. So I'd say that. Listeners, listen to the EP, legit, because it's like, <laughs> I think those words definitely encompass the whole EP really well. So here at APM, we definitely cannot wait to see what else you have in store. I feel like that's a nice little segue into potentially asking you, what are some future plans that you have at the moment? What's next for Birdie right now? Maybe potentially some remixes okay. of Ooh. the songs that I've got out, including the EP, and maybe potentially some like stripped back acoustic versions <gasps> of the songs. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have like a little bit more like upbeat of like my EP and then maybe just more stripped back chill stuff. So like, if you're like studying or like driving, yes, oh at my night, you know, just setting the vibe. So maybe, maybe. Unfortunately, we have reached the end of our very, very special interview with Birdie, of course. But before you go, where can our listeners find you? You can find me everywhere at Birdie, B-I-R-D-E-E, official. And of course, this is a little small question I always like to ask at the end. If there's mm-hmm. anything that you want to say right now to listeners, anything in your head right now? Oh, anything I want to say. I'm just really excited for next year and what's going to come. Yeah. <laughs> and we definitely cannot wait. Once again, thank you so much for joining. I'm not just myself here at APN. It was so nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. It was so awesome to be on here. You're listening to Asian Foundation right here on Sin, where we were just playing three excellent tracks on our show. I say this about every single song that we play on our show, but um, that's not just the pride speaking. That is also the fact that Asian music is just 10 out of 10. Love it to bits. And we started off our trio of songs with playing the song titled Poolside, which comes from our own homegrown artist, Birdie. And we actually played that song in conjunction with our interview with her. So if you're just tuning into our show right now and you want to tune into that interview, be sure to keep an eye out for our Asian Pop Nation podcast as we will definitely have that episode up for you where you can tune in to the interview and hear not only just myself but Alishba as well having a wonderful conversation with Birdie she's amazing but moving along we then played the song titled BB Vengeance which comes from BB who is a Korean female solo artist which has just come out with her first full-length album titled Low Life Princess Noir. And this album has actually been picked as our APN album of the week. And if you're wondering what that is exactly, our music expert here on APN, Tracy, goes through every single music that has come out in the past weeks or so. And this is just your extra stamp of approval to give her album a listen. And just to, I guess, hammer down the message some more, we sneakily played another BB song right after we played one BB song. It'll be our little secret. 
as we played the song titled Love Holics Hangover, which is by PB once again, but featuring the artist Sam Kim. Now, I just realized the three artists that we played just now all start with the letter B in their artist name, and that's just a very cute combination. And also, I feel like a very nice segue into our next topic of the night, as right now, our team members are going to come together to talk about this new short film that was recently trending around on the internet, and it has to do with Asian names. And we got a little bit more personal here on APM when it comes to this topic, so definitely listen in right now. So I wanted to ask you guys first, because I think if I asked this question to myself, I would just be like crying in a mirror to myself, but do any of you guys have any issues with your own name? My name's two first names, my given one, so it's a little weird. What uh, a loser. <laughs> hey, why do you ask this question? This is a weird question. I, well, what a way to open up the show, really. <laughs> but I, I wanted to bring up the topic about names, something which is unfortunately very near and near and dear to my heart with someone who only has one name as my full name let's not get into that but i recently saw this short film it was kind of trending around my tiktok feed and it actually ended up showing up on subtle asian traits as well and it's been getting a lot of um buzz and hype at the moment and it's this short film called daniel jungho lee and essentially the short film was created by kevin g kwan kim who is a korean canadian director and editor and yeah he essentially posted his short film through these platforms and they immediately started getting traction. I'm figuring because there's a lot of relatability there. But in terms of what the short film actually is about, I'll read out the synopsis that was from the official website from the director. Daniel Junho Lee portrays the experience of a 1.5 generation Korean Canadian boy as his name changes from his birth given name Junho to Daniel after immigrating to Canada. So the short film is only about like one minute or so. And you just see this journey of, again, this kid, um, Junho Lee, growing up uh, with his parents. And they always call him Junho because that's like his Korean name. But then as he moved to Canada, he uh, started re being referred to by his peers and teachers purely as Daniel only. And uh, I guess with this very like short film, it's meant to evoke like the emotions of just like, ah, my here's my birth given name. But then I'm now in this... Uh, Western country and uh, I'm only being called by like an English name instead and then I guess just that slight momentary struggle between there but in the end of the film it ends on a very like nice hopeful ending because he writes both Junho and Daniel in his name when there's like a paper asking for what his name is he writes Daniel Junho Lee so puts them all together embracing both sides that type of thing so very cute happy ending but I wanted to ask you guys first what did you think about this short film Tracy, before recording, didn't you say that uh, I looked like an insurance ad? <laughs> oh, that is true. <laughs> well, the thing is, I don't, I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't watch a lot of short films. So I think to me, I associate cinematic tropes with ads because I encounter them more in my daily life than actual films, which probably makes Ethan really sad um, as a film fanatic. Um, Ethan, in terms of like your film, uh, your, your uh, media student expertise, what do you have to say about this short film? I will say that I think the script is really interesting because it does use a lot of repetition like they don't try to kind of um include a lot of dialogue and conversation and um the entire like one minute is just people calling him by his names and how it evolves over time as he grows up and you know moves to different countries um so i think that's a really cool way um to show how he's kind of taken on the different labels and the different names and how he kind of makes it his own so yes yeah it's like simple and sweet and i think it makes it not as cloying 
not as cloying as it potentially could be. Mm. Yeah. It's like if it was someone just like, you know, I used to always be called Juno, but then I moved to Canada and then he started calling me Daniel, that would be a bit cringe. So this sort of touches on it in a way that's not as outwardly sentimental. And I think as Asians, we probably can relate to that more. It's just like this quiet, oh, slight devastation. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose Asian kids wouldn't really ever talk about it with their parents or with their friends because it's kind of something we kind of just accept, um, which I, I suppose is what this film is trying to represent, like that kind of internal struggle of someone um, trying to find their own identity, you know, in a world where they don't really fit into both sides. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Wait, does anyone here have like an English name and a Chinese name? Uh-huh. <laughs> Where am I? Like, I don't well, know well, how well, to explain my thing. Your thing? Okay, my, well, so, Lee is not my actual name. Oh, Huzzah! <laughs> oh. Yeah, so my actual name is Le, Le Qian, which is, yep, that's my Chinese name. Uh-huh. And I don't have an English name because I was, okay, so my mom wanted to call me Cheryl, but my dad's like, no, I can't pronounce it. So I don't have an English name. Uh-huh. And then during my primary school life, oh my God. Okay, so I went to primary school in Adelaide. Um, population of Asians is like... Point one, I guess. I don't oh, know. Oh god! So no one could pronounce my name. So um, it was just so much trouble with my name that when I moved to Melbourne and started high school, I just decided to keep my name as Lee because that's how like all the teachers would pronounce it anyway. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then like my parents don't even call me by my full name anyways. They call me Lala, which is like a nickname. So I guess I don't know. I, my name is not very. Like, it's not, like, an important thing to me, I reckon, just in my circumstance. But, yeah, I do, like, in my primary school times, I did wish if I had, yes, Cheryl Chu. <laughs> I did wish I had, like, an English name just so it's easier. I will say that if it makes you feel any better, my boss, uh, one of one of this, this boss guy I knew at work who was a British Chinese guy, had the same thing. Like, he had a two-syllable Chinese name but the second one was really hard to pronounce so he just went by the first one mm. and every now and then he'd say to someone hey you know that's not my actual name um you know <laughs> I share this name with my brother so technically like you, you guys are all calling me the wrong name and then everyone would feel like conflicted and he'd be like huh huh yeah I share my second name with my brother as well yeah it's like a sibling thing like you share mm. your first name with your brother and then your second name is unique mm. yeah but Lola, that's very cute. It means happiness. Yeah, it does. Oh, <laughs> well, really? like the character Aww. also can mean like um, music. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's like very cute. I'm just thinking, is this more of a common thing with like East Asian like people? I don't know. Because for me, I was just like, the name I got is just the, like the name I got, and my family just went, if nobody knows over now, just like, in, like, just keep forcing them to get it right until the end or whatever. I don't know. Like, I. I didn't know that people had alternative, like, English names until my mom freaking told me she had an English name. And I was like, oh, oh. My, mom, my mom's Chinese. So the whole time I was like, oh, because, like, there'll just be people coming up to her when I was younger. And they're just like, oh, hey, insert English name here. And then I was just like, huh, <laughs> who are you talking to? But Did she, like, if she works, then she probably has an English name. Like, my mom used to go by an English name as well when she interacted with the white society. <laughs> she had this English name that, because she, she studied languages um, at uni, mm-hmm. and so she had this English name that she went by. Well, not English, a Russian name that she went by from that. And oh. she just uses it whenever someone asks her what's her name, like a neighbor who's, like, in, like, a non-official context, she just goes by that name because it's easier for them to say. Uh, but my mom, she's, like, in this, I don't know, she's, like, in her re- rebellious era right now that now that she's he living here in Australia, 
She does not want to be referred to as Christine at all. She's like, no, now everyone needs to get my full Chinese name right. And I was like, okay, like you do that. And then we go back to Malaysia. And she's just like, ah, no, only know me as Christine. Thank you. <laughs> We're here in Melbourne. She's like, no, no, I need the Telstra people to, like when I get every, like, I just need the Telstra people to just, when they show up or like the post lady shows up, I need them to know it's this Chinese name here. And I'm like, okay, interesting. And then we go to Starbucks and I'm just like, okay, it's just a drink mall. Just go with like Christine or something like that. And she's like, <laughs> she goes there, she's like, okay, so full Chinese name here. Get this oh whole God. thing, right? And I'm like, <laughs> that's just, baller. Yeah, I just go with boss move. I know. I, this is my mom, everyone. Power <laughs> move. Right but yeah, I was just always been curious if that's just more of a thing with like East Asian people mm. in general. I don't know. Like, Alishpa, do you have like, do you, do, do you know in your circle and stuff like that of people having? like an english name not really like i don't think so in my culture they don't really give two names yeah they, no same, they, usually, yeah. they usually like have like nicknames and they're like they they sometimes have like they always call them by nicknames that they don't even for, like they forget their real name mm. that nickname is their name now mm-hmm. not really like two names or anything like that mm-hmm. yeah no yeah same as well I, I feel like a lot of south asian names can be shortened to a form that is more like easier to pick up for english people Instead of just having a completely different name, yeah, mm-hmm. like you, Leisha. <laughs> oh my gosh, Leisha is not my first name. Oh, who would have thought? <laughs> Some people used to call me as a kid because my name—it's so hard to make a nickname like from my name. Mm-hmm. People used to call me Alish, and I hated it. Oh, it is Alish. So ugly. Alish. Alish. Yeah. It sounds like a like a I don't know like a condiment or something for him. I don't know why. It's like it sounds like oh. hellish. Like, yeah. oh, oh, oh. I, I definitely can tell but the hatred does not does not roll off the tongue. <laughs> um, Alish Baba, I don't know. <laughs> my, friends just... me, my friends call me Toshiba. Alish Baba, Ali Baba. Oh my god! Toshiba. Oh, my kids are terrible. They stop doing that once they hit uni. They probably. Oh my god. The Shiba one is actually funny. Yeah, oh my good. god, I was talking about you. That had to be the first one. Oh my god. <laughs> Hello, hello, everyone. You are tuning in to Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin, where we just played three excellent songs just now on our show. Firstly, we played the song The One, which comes from the Korean male group Dripping, before moving along with another Korean male group. This time, it's Victon with their new comeback title, Virus. And lastly, we then played another excellent track. This time, it's the final 2022 single to come out of the Australian artist Jackie with his song titled Love Like Mine. If you're just tuning in to our show here on Asian Bomb Nation right now, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to our show. We are about to continue our conversations about Asian names and You might be wondering what exactly sparked that conversation in the first place. Well, there was this recent trending short film that was making its way across the internet, which has to do about, I guess, being very accepting about your birth-given Asian name, but as well as an English name that you started to develop as you live in a Western country, like Australia, for example. And that whole short film actually sparked a whole conversation amongst our APN team where we just 
went into a full deep dive about Asian names and our names in particular. So I guess let's cut back to the team right now. I was going to say um, your question, Leisha, earlier about like, why is it that so many East Asians have like an English name and like, I guess their native mother tongue mm-hmm. name or whatever. I feel like it might be just be because those names are especially hard to pronounce mm-hmm. for English speakers. Chinese is impossible to pronounce. Like Tian, impossible to say, sorry, Lee. Um, my Chinese name <laughs> oh also impossible God. to say. Tian turned into like Kian. But like yeah, and then they would like oh my god, so it would be Q I A N N Queen, and they would be like oh, shouldn't, no. shouldn't there be a U after the Q? And oh my god. <gasps> Anyways, but this is what we mean. They they just can't comprehend it. You know, the sounds are just too. They're just too advanced. <laughs> the sounds are just completely like it's like alien language. They just can't process them in their brain. So it's like hi, my name is and then like what did you just say? Like I feel like that's how they hear like. You know, Chinese names especially. I would also say, like, another reason why parents would give their kids two names is because I guess the Chinese name has this sort of superstitious or sort of, like, um, I don't know, my, my Chinese name, like, the number of strokes it has. The first character has eight strokes and the second character has 16 strokes. And since they're both multiples of eight, that's, like, lucky or something. Ooh. So a lot of Chinese people are just very superstitious about names. Like, your name's this way. I think Korean people as well. Your name's this way uh, and it changes your fortune. So I guess that's why they don't want to just go by, like, a single English name that has no fortune or luckiness attached to it at all. Like, even in our culture, like, names have a lot of meaning. So, like, they say that, oh, you're, whatever you name the kid, the meaning of that kid will, like, affect you that way. Because it's not, like, there's not any stroke in my language, but they, like, they just say that to be very careful when you name your kids. To go back to this short film, watching it reminded me of this interview I was listening to with... Um, there's this podcast I listen to sometimes called Feeling Asian. And they had an interview with um, the artist Geji. And they were talking about like, because they both, um, everyone is like basically Korean American. They were all talking about like what it felt like to go back to Korea. And they were talking about how it felt like um, when you're in Korea and you're being called by Korean names and you're like living in your childhood bedroom, it kind of feels like back to an, like an older version of yourself. I do feel that being called a name consistently, you almost do feel like you're too different characters or something you know like two different facets of yourself that'll be confusing i feel like i, w- I would go insane you're just always john paul yeah i must always be there can only be don't you have a nickname within your family jb uh not really they just call me like oh they call me clear which means older brother but like even that has its own connotations it's like you know that's my role it's the older brother to my little sister sort of thing oh that's so cute uh, you know so like i don't want to add any extra <laughs> Yeah, because in my family, I'm called Ching. So Ching. whenever someone called me Senya in school and they asked me how to pronounce it, it was strange because I never really knew how <laughs> because my parents and family have always just called me Ching as an abbreviation for Taba Ching Ching. So in Visaya, it's like that um, equivalent of like when you're squishing a baby's cheeks because it's so chubby and like you're like Taba Ching Ching, you know. And <laughs> so it just became my nickname because I was had very... Um, I was a fat baby, so I just kind of stuck around. But it was strange because um, when relatives don't call me Ching, it's like jarring because it feels like I'm a stranger to them almost. So, yeah, I feel like nickname. Yeah. <laughs> There's something constantly like innocent or maybe like juvenile about it that I've um. always sort of associated with, yeah, family. So. Sometimes, like, relatives will insist on calling me Tracy instead of by my Chinese name, and it feels weird because it's, like, 
they want to meet a foreign it's, it's like i don't know do they want to meet a foreign i don't know it feels specifically when they call me tracy they want to like i don't know they think that distance themselves or uh no they yeah they sort of it feels like they're distancing themselves because it's like if they call you by your chinese name it's like oh you're part of my family you know like whatever and you're like one of us when you when i say tracy they're like when they call me tracy it's like they're acknowledging that i am alien to them and Whoa. foreign to them why why did that come it like that conversation that with deep, me, I, like that. It, it, I liked it too yeah it just reminded me also of like what like just growing up about how like Essentially, really nobody really calls me by like my full first name, which is Lisha Lini, except for my grandparents from my dad's side at the time, because they came up with my name in the first place. And they would be, I'll say until now, probably one of the few people who actively consistently called me that. And I don't know, there's just like an extra, I don't know how to articulate what feeling it is, but it, there is just a feeling where it's just, I don't know, the somebody constantly, I guess, Consistently, I mean, just refer to me purely through that name, and uh, I don't so know. A good feeling or a bad feeling? Oh no, it's like it's like okay, it's kind of good depending who. Because if my mom, if my mom's calling me Lisa Lady, that's, oh, that's that she's I'm, angry. Yeah, I'm, she's angry. I'm dead. You won't hear from me anymore. Uh... <laughs> but, but or if it's like. Oh, I don't know. Like sometimes, like my old teachers or like my manager at my workplace calls me by Lisa Lady, even though I just say. Oh yeah, you can just call me Lisha. Why? Like yeah. I don't know. So but I feel like it's like I guess quote like an authority figure, like a teacher or a, or like a manager or something calling me that. I, I I don't get no like warm feelings or anything. That's just more like ooh, uh, scary authority figure. Oh, like that's yeah. Um, and then when my friends or just like anyone else in my life <laughs> just call me Lisha, it's like oh yeah, that's fun. But I don't know when it's like people that I already have like a I guess like a positive relationship with or whatever. But then they call me fully by like Lisha Lini all the time. It's just, I don't know. It just feels like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like this conversation just makes me think about that. I'm like, yeah, I just think names are just a name, just a somebody's singular name can tell so much about their life story almost. I don't know. Dude, that's but, deep. That's deep. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But I mean, for a lot of people, like their name, again, it's like all of us literally spend the whole time talking about how our name like came from like somewhere and that like whole it's like created for like a specific reason blah 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 it's like yeah like names are deep y'all <laughs> there's you gotta treat them proper yeah exactly treat them right <laughs> that's right or just let us know what you think about this whole topic about names in general through our social media on facebook twitter and instagram at asian pop nation do you guys think asian pop nation is a good name <laughs> let us know yeah. <laughs> I just feel like I am in relaxation nation right now on Asian Pop Nation because we just played three very just relaxing tracks here on the show. At least relaxing to me. As firstly, we played the song titled Rats, which comes from the US Vietnamese artist Kai Dreams. And then moving along from that, we then played the song titled Such a Beach, which comes from the Hong Kong artist Kaho Hung. And then lastly, we then played the song titled Im Kong, which comes from the Vietnamese female artist Vu Tan Van. And these are just very like upbeat, but also just relaxing. Again, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I, I just feel like I need some relaxing tracks before we're going to go into this next topic tonight. As right now, we're going to be talking about unserious songs. And you may be wondering, what does that mean exactly, Lisha? Well, it's songs that are ridiculous because of their lyrics or the overall concept or just i don't know they just have the extra pizzazz of just 
wackiness. And we at APN just wanted to highlight some of our favorite unserious songs. And maybe, who knows, these could be your new favorites. So definitely take some notes as we jump to our team right now. So you know us for telling you about really good songs, but today we're here to tell you about really crappy ones. <laughs> so, um, Leisha, apparently you saw a tweet or something. Yes, yes, yeah, I did. Okay, so if you're somebody who's very familiar, I guess, in the hip-hop space on Twitter, but a recent trend that I like seeing is people putting out a tweet, which is, in quotes, what is the most unserious song that you know? So think about just the most ridiculous song that you could think of, whether it's because purely on lyrics basis or the whole concept is just insanity. Yeah. So I thought, why not take this to the APN stage, I guess, and have each of us, I guess, talk about some unserious Asian songs in particular that you want to highlight on the show because uh, I wrote it on a run sheet, but on APN, we are all about Asian rep, the good and the bad ones. So <laughs> I guess here we are. And guess who wants to open us up with their song that they want to highlight? We're going to start with this My Tony song, surely. This. The My Tony specimen. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, God. So the song particular that um, we have here on our list is from 2013. You can find it on YouTube. It is posted by my Chani, who some of you guys may know, very, very popular Australian YouTuber back in the day. Till now, I don't know. But he had this base, there I say, where he had a separate channel called K-pop Chani, and he used to do like reactions and stuff of K-pop music videos and stuff. But one day he posted this video called Let Me Sarang Bracket Love You. And it's essentially him and a bunch of his friends being this K-pop group, and I say K-pop in quotations, called Cool. Now, what does cool stand for? You're going to have to search it out on your own time because we won't be able to tell you publicly on radio. So do some research. And while you're on your research, search up this song and watch the music video because, oh, how would you describe it, Tracy, or anyone? It's so... It's, it, it exists in that liminal space between... It shouldn't be that good. <laughs> it's like actually catchy. I only played it one time today and it's already like stuck in my head. Just them doing the la 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 it's absolutely <laughs> terrible and also the best thing you've ever seen in your life. They also um, performed that M Countdown, by the way. No, no, that was like a fake. Like, they edited yeah, it. <laughs> they have a separate video where they like edited themselves on M Countdown, which is like a Korean music show. And yeah, they're, they're fully living the K-pop idol group. No, it's real, Alicia. It's no, it's not to me. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're saying, wow, my favorite K-pop group to ever exist, guys. I'm standing there after eight years <laughs> Does anyone know BGA? Boys oh, generally? no. <laughs> you don't know BGA, the greatest boy group Who are they? What? It sounds, so, like, a, it sounds yeah. like a video game system. <laughs> it's a boys generally Asian, which is a K-pop group created by Ryan Higa. Like six oh. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Like They have two songs, like, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah. I remember correctly as well. There's... Oh, the, hold on, I need to like, go on the YouTubes. But yeah, they these two groups... They're very similar in the fact that they're they they, they are parody groups. They're and, not and actual they, K-pop groups. They're just YouTubers being like, "Wow, K-pop's wacky." Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> be wacky. But as Lee said, they're they're really not hard. <laughs> they're really not hard. Um, but yeah, it's just boys are Asian so interesting because they like you can tell they definitely up the budget with the music video. They've got several sets. The um cool, which is the My Chani group, they're literally <laughs> in just some random white room and just it's not even a full length. It's like a one minute. 30 second song and they're just in a white room with the best outfits I've ever seen in my life and, just... and you can tell they hatched those outfits together themselves yeah no <laughs> oh my god oh 
boy, the BGA one is made like from uh, what is it called? Wong Fu Productions, and there was they made this like BT like behind the scenes video, and it's actually quite like professionally made. Oh, <laughs> That's because wow. Wong Fu is a professional video yeah. like filmmaking. Yeah, they do they do like the little short films of like oh heartbreak and stuff, yeah. and then next in their filmography is BGA. So oh I remember the premise of this BGA song was that like um basically it was kind of making fun of the fact that people who listen to K-pop often don't understand the lyrics, and it was also making fun of the fact the premise is that like um none of them can speak Korean except for, like like David Choi who can like, vaguely speak Korean, and so they get him to like come up with a few lyrics, but they none of them actually make sense. So it's just completely random gibberish Korean that rhymes but does not make any sense. I want to share like this song that literally described my childhood and every like Asian childhood. It's like this Tamil song called "Why This Schoola Very Deep." Yeah, <laughs> it is such a good song. Yeah, it is like unironically. I I like listen to it. I listen to it while like working, doing APN emails, and just doing like actual tours and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, soup song, flop song. You tell him to me, Danush. Um, but is that song? It's just you guys just need to search it up and. You, I, I feel like specifically to understand the effect, you just have to watch the music video where it's just them in like the recording studio singing it. Like that, I don't know, it just adds to the flavor of unseriousness. And then there's just a part midway in the song where they're just, I guess, checking the volume of the song, but they keep it in it. So you just hear like him singing and then just rhythm correct. And <laughs> just continue. But yeah, I unironically freaking love that song so much. So I am on the same boat as the Lishpa. Like me well. and my brother would be like doing something and then randomly out of nowhere, one of us would start singing and then we just can't get out of our mind. No, exactly. And I, it's, it's got to be as good. I don't care if he's saying, if in the lyrics he's literally saying it's a flop song. King, it's not a flop song. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. Freaking love it. Like, you just need to listen to it. It's such a... It, 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 it's... Again, this is supposed to be the unserious category of why am I so passionate about these songs that are quote-unquote the most ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but in the best way. I got a good one. Okay. It's not just one song. It's actually it's a whole album. Oh, no. Do you guys remember Filthy Frank, a.k.a. Joji, a.k.a. George Miller, the man himself? Yes. You remember him? Unfortunately. (laughs) There was an album he released. It was his last big album as Filthy Frank, and it's called Pink Season. And I've I've never heard anything so toxic and so poisonous. Like, this is this is like it's this is a lethal weapon. This album, Pink Season, like none of the songs are radio friendly. Like, none at all. I swear. Like, okay, hold up. Let me get a track list for you guys. There is a track list. I feel like it's the sort of song that we should not be showing Alishpa. No, no, we're not going to show this at all We're going to say Alishpa, do not listen to this album. Do not listen to this. um, It's like if you got 4chan and you, like, distilled it. It's worse than that. I feel like it's worse than that. It's, um... um, Give it a listen, huh? Yeah, no, actually, don't give it a listen. Like, this is straight up... Like, I'm going to say this is a PSA thing, like, oh, H&S. Do not listen to It's terrible. And if you do listen to it, please be um, mindful yeah, <laughs> of your you. mental. Yeah, do not, not lose your humanity. We are not li- legally liable no, um, for the ramifications this may cause <laughs> if you listen to this true. album. But yeah. dumplings kind of, kind of, kind of goes. Yeah, yeah, it goes hard. Dumplings. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. But, but don't listen to any of the others. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should end this segment off with three songs about being a furry. These oh. are all actual. I took this a different way. When you said unserious K-pop songs, I thought like songs by K-pop groups that were not serious. Oh. And so these were the three that came to mind. They are Wolf Wolf by Shiny, Cat and Dog by TXT, and Waggy by Mamamoo. 
And to briefly summarize each one, Woof Woof by Shiny is like if a bunch of dogs um, ran like a, a cabaret jazz circus and also slayed. So there are these, um, they actually performed it on tour and they had all these they have these crazy costumes that are dog themed. Um, they have these like dog ears on a headband. Um, they have like sh- suits that are patterned with little dogs on them. On you is literally holding like a plastic bone. There is a big mural behind them that says woof woof in a bone shape. Um, all the backup dancers are also dressed like animals. It's kind of crazy that this was allowed to happen. Um, and they are all killing it, like showbiz wise. Um, oh my God, all the backup dancers are dressed in like animal onesies. It's kind of <laughs> awful. Um, the next one is CXC's Cat and Dog. This comes from, I think, their debut mini album. Alishba, you like this song, right? Yeah, I like Cat and Dog. It's like nice. <laughs> it's literally just, I just want to be a dog. <laughs> woof, but woof, woof, woof. That's the chorus. Even the fan just goes woof, woof, woof. Like this it's, big crowd going woof, woof, woof. Woof, woof, It's like, do they play on tour and the crowd just like woofs back at them? Yeah. It's like in the fan chant. That's kind of amazing. Uh, <laughs> and the last one here is Waggy by Mamamoo. I actually don't know if this song is about being a dog, but they have a performance on Yuhi's sketchbook where they are dressed up as dogs with like face paint and like dog onesies. And they also have a bunch of just fun novelty costumes that they performed this stage uh, that they wore when they were, when they were promoting the song. And it's a very silly song. Um, they make Solo do Egyo in the middle of it. And she's always embarrassed by it. It's great. And those are the three unserious K-pop songs that are actually listenable. They're actually all very listenable. They're just <laughs> very... Um, they're just very um very questionable, fine. I would say. I would say they were very questionable in some of their <laughs> lyrical content. Yes, thank you everyone for sharing some of your most unserious Asian songs in general that you know. And maybe listeners, if you're listening right now, have a listen to a bunch of these. Maybe not the filthy Frank one as we mentioned like 20 billion times, but oh. <laughs> please don't. But yeah, let us know what you think after you give these songs a listen through our social media, Asian Bomb Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation here with myself, Leisha, plus the rest of our APN team that you will be able to hear a little bit later on our show after we go through these three songs that we played just now on APN. Firstly, we played the song titled Every Day, which comes from the Korean male artist Sul, and this song in particular comes from his album titled Off Us. And moving on from that, we then played the latest comeback track to come out of Chen, who is from EXO, with his song titled Last Scene. And lastly, we then played the song titled Only You, which comes from another Korean male artist. This time, it's by Kaho. And if you were listening to all of these three songs just now, or you're familiar with these artists, you could definitely tell that those last three songs we played were all just very relaxing ballad tracks. And after that nice relaxing moment, it's time to get a big existential, everyone. Yep, get hyped. That was such a big jump from relaxation moment to now it's time to get deep as now we're entering into the later portion of APN, which means time to just rethink our entire lives. And that's exactly what our team are going to be doing right now as we are about to do a bit of a deep dive into ourselves, actually thinking about who would we be as a person if we never came into Melbourne, if all of us were back in our home countries or home states. And you get to hear us get a bit more existential here on APN, I guess, right now. So it might have been a while if you're a regular listener, but if you recognize this voice, you will have known that it's been a long time coming since I was last on the show. But I was in the US, the second motherland to Filipinos everywhere. Hey, (laughs) what do you mean by that, huh? Because everyone wants to go. And that's the only place that a lot of 
Filipinos seem to strive for aside from the Middle East. But let's that's another tangent. That's a lot of political. Let's not get down that path. But anyway, I was there for a month and there was definitely a lot of experiences that were new being there without my family for the first time, actually having to get to know my extended family without really having my parents as the bridge between me being pretty much Australian and then my grandparents and their friends and my aunties. And I just made me reflect quite a bit on what could have been different if, say, my parents decided to migrate to the US and wait 17 years like some of these family friends had to wait for to get a visa to the US as opposed to just applying online and ending up getting a skilled visa here. So I just wanted to open the floor. Most of us are from or were born in other countries, or had parents who had migrated from other countries. And if we were to go to our favorite movie, (laughs) Everything Everywhere All at Once, and did a Michelle Yeoh and thought, you know, what would have happened had I stayed in the motherland with my father and listened to him and not opened a laundromat with my husband? How could our lives have been different? What do you think your life would have been like had you stayed where your parents Uh, were from? I think I would have been more cringe because how cringe more filipino how much more filipino can you get uh, yeah <laughs> what, what would you be filipino? doing now jp at the age of 22 if i was still in the philippines at the age of 22 i would have definitely been pressured into doing engineering <laughs> <laughs> because university there in the philippines you actually have to pay up front unlike here in, in australia like you can do whatever the hell you want here but like back there it's like damn if you're going to go into uni, it better be like a good thing. So I don't know. I'd probably be doing engineering, but I'd still be drawing on the side because that's what I do. You could draw as an engineer. That's true. Tracy, I see your mic is on you. <laughs> yeah, because I... I you're I an mean... engineer. Just <laughs> <laughs> to be an engineer in the middle. I kind of stopped drawing well during my degree because I was just finding hard to find the motivation. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like engineering is a very specific type of person. I don't know. I feel like the culture is a bit more relaxed than, say, like lawyers or whatever, the other um, acceptable professions. I feel like out of the acceptable options given, by Asian parents it is a bit more freedom a bit more job satisfaction so it's not like the worst thing ever JP okay. I could imagine you as an engineer <laughs> yeah I mean like I don't mind doing technical stuff seems fun uh, wait how about you Tracy if you were back in uh, the motherland Ooh, I don't know I feel like I'd be really competitive when I go back to the motherland and visit my cousins like they're all like suffering because there's just so much competition like the Asian kids here, like I went to school with a bunch of really competitive Asian kids at my high school, but even that pressure is nothing compared to what I imagine China is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week we talked a little bit about like coaching schools and all of that, and even then I feel like maybe the pressure on kids in Australia is probably less than even the US, I feel mm-hmm. like, because there's just fewer people, there's fewer competition for jobs. In fact, they're kind of desperate for skilled labor and skilled migration. I don't know. I feel like it's easier to imagine what my parents would be like. Oh, what would they be like? My mom actually, when she was in China, she actually had a job. She worked at like a tourism bureau. So she would have been like, she always wanted to be like a professional, like a career woman. But because she came to Australia and obviously her English was not great and she, you know, she had children to look after. 
when my dad was working and studying, um, she couldn't fulfill that career, that like her, that dream that her own parents had had for her. Mm-hmm. So for her, it's very easy to imagine like, God, my life would have been so much better if I had just stayed in China. And that's oh why God. I found like, I watched The Farewell, um, the one good Aquafina movie. And they actually bring up the question of like, oh, maybe if you had stayed in your motherland, you would have been happier. And that all this effort that you've gone to to migrate to another land has been for naught. Which is a very hard question uh, that a lot of parents don't want to ask themselves. Or maybe they do contemplate it. No one actually ever talks about it openly because openly talking about difficult topics is not an Asian trait. (laughs) But I don't know. I feel like uh, I'll definitely have more of a support system if I grew up in China because I would have a huge family to like give me advice, back me up on stuff. Whereas here, it's very much like it's just our little satellite family and no one else. It's quite lonely, I guess, um, in some ways. You don't but, feel like if you stayed in the motherland that you'd have more family to judge you if you go do something wrong? Oh, I definitely wrong. feel that as well. <laughs> Part of the reason why my dad left China, he's explained to me, is because of the social structure. Is just like everything is intertwined and interconnected. And like if you messed up somewhere, like everyone would instantly know. Whereas here it's like, yeah, you can, you can get away <laughs> with it or you can go work somewhere without any connection to where, you, like, who your family is. Mm-hmm. Whereas in China, I feel like it almost exclusively works on connections. Oh. Um, so I guess here you have a bit more freedom to do things that aren't related to um, your family's circumstance. I agree with Tracy when she said that over here people are very chill and like it's not that many like competitiveness. Like it's not really that stressful, honestly. I feel like if I was right now in Pakistan, most of my friends are like graduating high school and they're like doing the, you know how like Victorian has VCE in Pakistan, we do like CIE, it's like the British ones. Maybe they change the, like the letters, maybe it's wrong, but I feel like I would have been like very, very stressful because of the competition and just like since childhood, they're like putting in your brain that, oh, you need to get a good grade. You need to do this and that. And like, from young age, I started doing exams and stuff. So I feel like I would have been like very pressured compared to like having fun over here, being chilled. This is Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin, where we have been playing three excellent tracks just now on our show. Firstly, we played the song titled Way, which comes from the Korean band at Tuesday Beach Club. And moving along from that, we then played the song titled Secret Sunday, which comes from the Vietnamese female artist. Hun Kan Lin, which comes from her new November album titled Sitopia. And lastly, we then played the song titled Lonely, which comes from the Japanese band called Yonawo. And this is actually from their new album titled Yonawo House. So definitely give all of these albums a listen. But of course, to continue listening to our show right now, as we are about to almost end our show off with a very existential-ish type of segment, as our team members are about to continue our conversation about who would each of us be if we weren't here in Melbourne? If all of us magically in an alternate universe were back in our home countries. So Tune in right now. Alicia, you keep on saying you're going to die or you were going to oh, die. Whoa, well, I never said that on air. <laughs> if not that, then from lack of sleep. So yeah, <laughs> your life would have been different. Okay, so probably if I still lived back in the motherland, good old Malaysia, A, I probably would have more Malaysian friends too. 
uh, I kind of lost contact with like a lot of them once I moved to Australia. Like Tracy mentioned, I probably would have like a strong support circle back in Malaysia. Oh, so similar to Tracy, most of my family is back in Malaysia, so I would have my entire family there with me. But maybe having every single one of my family members there won't be too much of a support circle, more like a stress central. But that's something like that too much. I feel like the year before I came to Australia, studies wise and everything, I was actually in a pretty like good spot. So when I moved to Australia, um, it was many, many years of me literally screaming and crying that I wanted to go back to Malaysia. But then now looking back, I was like, huh, no, there's a lot of untapped issues that I wouldn't have known prior if I just like stayed back in Malaysia forever. I'll say, firstly, probably my family dynamic would be completely turned upside down if I did stay back in Malaysia, and also if I was to try to go to a not private so like a government-owned university in malaysia i would not be able to get into a single one of them so that is the very harsh reality of it like if i still live in malaysia and then i graduate from high school it would be a really hard time for me to try to get tertiary education because of unfortunately the situation in malaysia with race Honestly, I would have probably at one point still moved out of Malaysia, but most probably it would have been Singapore. And we all know about Singapore. My dad actually really wanted me to move to Singapore, um, but my mom was very opposed to it because the Singapore education system is terrifying. The math is pretty good. Yeah, there. I was I was pretty good at math after Singapore. That's great. I suck at math, so I probably would have been like crying in Singapore as well. No, um, yeah, I died in math as well. Their system was good because I did live in Singapore for a bit. If I stay in Singapore, I'd be way smarter than I am now. Oh, I'm a really? Like, like I'm an I actual that idiot dumb. right now. Okay, you Mr. Dostoevsky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did they used to rank you in in Singapore? I don't remember that. Maybe I was too uh, young. Or maybe um, I didn't care. Oh, I got ranked in Malaysia. I got ranked. I, I, in my primary I, school, yeah. Yeah, ranking. In, in my report card, it would like explicitly show like my numbers throughout the year mm. where I ranked um, in my class and in my cohort in general. What a way to build a child self-esteem. Yeah, no. Hey, what, what about you, Ethan? Yeah, Ethan. What about me? Yeah, what I don't think that? I would have survived in Singapore. I would have no. died. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to like a, I don't know if it was a private school, but it was like, you know, the tall buildings and the white clothes and the white oh. shoes. You walk around like it's like some Kafka-esque. It's proper. School. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was gross. I, I don't think I would have survived in Singapore, if I'm being honest. I, I'm kind of glad I moved. Mm. I don't know what I would have done. I can't really change the past. Oh, you can only if deal we with stayed, we would have had to do um, military training. That's mm. true, you two. Yeah. Would, yeah. Would, would, would that would suck. That would suck. <laughs> I, I would suck so much. Shaking ass the hype boy. That'd be a terrible soldier. I can't even shake my ass like that. <laughs> what what good am I for? I'm very curious about Lee because I think Lee I mean we mentioned it a few times this episode in the past that Lee went to Adelaide, but mm. she also a family are like from Malaysia. So how do you think you would be like in those two environments? <laughs> okay, 
I feel like I would be a lot smarter if I had stayed in Malaysia, like study-wise. Whoa! (laughs) Obviously, like, the pressure of needing to be good at studying in Malaysia would probably make me academically smarter. Yeah. But also, I see, like, my cousins who are still in Malaysia. Like, it's so competitive and, like, I guess the school system is just quite toxic as well. Mm-hmm. maybe just them I don't actually know much about Malaysia <laughs> but yeah I don't know I'm definitely glad I moved to Australia there's like more opportunities here as well in terms of like oh if you're not good at studying <laughs> there's other options oh yeah true yeah, yeah. and there's like, like TAFE and stuff actually yeah. exists like prior to coming here I was like um what you don't actually need a university degree yeah, right. to get a job you can do that that was like actually a bizarre concept so mm-hmm. yeah what about adelaide lee oh god oh, if- <laughs> <laughs> definitely good thing i moved to melbourne because <laughs> sometimes i see like my primary school friends that i had in adelaide and they're still in adelaide their lives are very different to mine. Like, one of them is an anti-vaxxer. Oh. Like a hardcore one. But yeah, just like, just snippets of their lives that I've seen. Just very different to... What would you have been, Luffy? Like, so there's not a lot of Asian people in Adelaide, so I never really got to meet people that were of my own culture. Mm-hmm. So I definitely would have been more whitewashed, I reckon, if oh, I had stayed oh. in Adelaide, even oh. though my anime awakening was in Adelaide. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the weeb era. I feel like whether or not you were surrounded by other Asians definitely makes a huge difference in how you perceive yourself. Yeah, okay. I agree. Like, 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 my friends or, like, someone I know is, like, born here, like, while I'm born in Pakistan, like, there's definitely, like, different experience because they probably have not really, really experienced our culture properly mm. and, like, are not used to it. So they don't probably realize that what are they missing on. But for someone who has experiences, they just, like, I don't know, feel very sad that they can't go back and just re-experience all that. Mm-hmm. But they have to, like, move on and then trying to, you know, get over the fun stuff we did over there. It's kind of sad. I think I think I've been very aware ever since I was a kid that like Asian was not default. So I was very aware of what stereotypes people have about Asian people. And I feel like a lot of especially my teenage years, I spent a lot of time actively trying to stray as far from that as possible. But I don't know. Once when I was back in China, we were this is a long anecdote, but I, I promise it will have an ending. Um basically on New Year's Day we um went and popped fireworks. We bought some fireworks from like some dude down the street. And we went to set them off with our family members, all the cousins, all our aunties and uncles and grandparents in like an empty parking lot. And it was pitch dark and everyone was like whooping like crazy. And then I realized, hey, like, wow, these people are crazy. Like, I feel like we're often fed lie that like Asians are meek and the model minority. And uh, it sucks because when you go back to China, you just realize we're all just weird and vibrant and chaotic, man. And chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. My thought was like, oh, wow, if the Australians in primary school saw this, they'd lose their mind. They'd be like, wow, all these Asians like being crazy. That's crazy. So I don't know. That was a bit of a moment of what's the sudden realization for me when I went to China? Epiphany. Epiphany. That's the word. Epiphany. I read. Mr. Dostoevsky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Xenia. Wait. Xenia, you haven't. No, I haven't. I was going to end it. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm not sure if I had much else to add. I was just thinking um, before I did go to the US, I had a feeling that everything was sort of planned out because my family is like, oh, you'll be spending time with your grandma. You'll be spending time with your uncle. Your uncle's going to drive you to the airport and then you're going to stay with your cousin. And I was like, I have no time to myself. And I'm wondering if that's what would have happened if I'd lived back in the Philippines where every single weekend there will be some kind of engagement to go to a party or go to dinner. And you're always surrounded by people that you almost don't have a sense of self that you're so connected, your identity is so ingrained in the people around you that if you're by yourself, like, how do you function? So that's mm. sort of the last epiphany I had, or main so epiphany right. I had. Yeah, I think that being in this weird halfway situation between Australia and China, I feel like I've definitely had to think a lot more about like my own identity and the way I feel about myself and about like heritage and culture in a way that I definitely would not have been forced to do if I had been born in a less ambiguous position. Well, thank you for coming to our Asian Pop Nation counselling circle. We hope you had <laughs> oh, yeah. gotten something out of it, an epiphany, um, a sense of place, identity. Who knows? It's a great I way to end the show. I confuse you all further. <laughs> Who are you, really, is the question we shall leave you. Think about that as we end tonight's show. (laughs) Peace out. (laughs) Greetings to everyone who is listening to us right now here on Asian Palm Nation, whether live on air or on our podcast. It's Lisha here, the executive producer of APN, and I am here to fill you in on all the three songs that you heard just now on our show. Firstly, we played the song titled Follow the Cyborg, which is a new song to come out of the Korean-American artist Miss Grit. I've been obsessed with their sound lately, and another artist that I've actually been quite obsessed with it comes from this song titled Yippie, and this comes from the artist Ture Jung and Sun the Lily. And lastly from that, we then went a little bit back to the month of October with this song titled Chu Chung, which comes from the Taiwanese artist Sweet John. And this comes from his late October album titled In the Mind. Now, this week's episode was seriously insane because firstly, we had an incredible interview by a Sydney-based artist called Birdie. And oh my gosh, she is just literally the sweetest person ever. If you're listening right now and you haven't heard the interview just yet, definitely keep an eye out on our Asian Mom Nation podcast. We will have that interview up and just, oh my gosh, I can't stop gushing over her. She is just the sweetest. And hearing her whole like origin story about how she became an artist, as well as hearing her talk about her latest track titled Poolside, just Oh my gosh, I love it. I love interviews. I love artists. Like, I need to stop. (laughs) Before we close off our show tonight, I, of course, always want to say our thank yous to our listeners. No matter if you were just tuning in right now or you've been tuning in for the entirety of the show, I just need to, of course, say my many thanks, you guys. All of our listeners have been tuning in for a hot minute, listening to not only myself, but our Asian Pop Nation team tonight specifically of Alishba, Zenia, JP, Tracy, Ethan, and Lee, just talking about some of the most interesting topics lately. We literally went fully in-depth about unserious Asian songs, so songs that are just ridiculous 
all those fun words, but you know, they're a blast nonetheless to have a listen to. And we also talked about Asian names in particular in regards to this new short film that has been recently making its rounds online. We also talked about the power of midday napping while you're at work, especially since that is a bit of a trend in China specifically, plus also getting a bit more personal with you, dear listener, by having our team members talk about who would we be if we weren't here in Melbourne, if we were all just back in our home countries. So again, a whole bunch of crazy topics going all over the place, but you guys still managed to tune in and for that always thankful and very grateful for you guys and of course before we wrap up our show tonight we have one more song that we want you guys to hear as right now we're going to be playing the song titled ilsm or i love sadness more which comes from the malaysian female artist aisha rednot remember you can always tune into asian pop nation every tuesday from 8pm onwards the easy way to always remember it is 8pm at 8pm genius whoever came up with that oh my gosh but for bonus content you can also always follow us at asian pop nation on facebook twitter and instagram and listen to our asian pop nation podcast available anywhere and everywhere you stream your podcast and look at our bio we have a full link tree and that literally has everything under the sun that we at APN have been doing for the entire year so definitely give that a look as well and without further ado good night everyone